Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. We've got a stellar lineup today, and my first guest has been to the Luck on Sunday studio before. But today, I'm delighted to say I get the chance to talk to him in a little bit more depth about what has been a tremendous career. He was at Newcastle yesterday. He's still hungry for rides, hungry as ever for success, and has been associated with some of the great horses of the last couple of decades Imperial Commander, the Gold Cup winner, and the hugely popular Q card. He is, of course, Paddy Brennan. Paddy, good morning. Morning, Nick. How are you? I'm extremely well. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. And things going extremely well. Now the association with Fergal O'Brien is really bearing fruit with a new stable and tons of winners. You look like you're enjoying it as much as ever. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, you, you, you always wanted, um, when you've tasted success like I have over the years, you, you just, you're just hoping that them days come back. And I feel with this new yard, I can see doors opening that probably I haven't seen for a while. But have you ever really had a dip? I mean, from the outside, it looks as though your career has been a, a career of solid success for the last couple of decades. But the way you're smiling makes me think you don't think that. Uh, yeah, look, it's, I've been lucky. Um, with injury, I've been fortunate. But, yeah, you're, you're deep down, you're always looking for that, that one horse and the big days. Like, you're, you're always in awe of jockeys that have big days like yesterday. You still want to win Hennessy's. You still want to win Gold Cups. You've, you've been to the party and you definitely want to go back. When was your first real taste of the big time? <sighs> uh, I suppose Ashley Brooke come back many years, I feel old now, but um, he, he was unlucky not to win an Arkell. And I, I remember walking the track that day with Timmy Murphy going back years and I remember we were walking down the hill and we were looking into Cheltenham and he said to me, he actually beat me in the race, but he said, about riding the race not the occasion and then I just I got goosebumps listening to that and that's when I started to realize that something big was about to happen in my career. Ashley Brooke was trained by by Kevin Bishop and it yeah. was a great story as well wasn't it because it was a, a small trainer his flagship horse you were on the up brave swashbuckling young rider were they good times? They're the best yeah the best uh, oh, like, they were such great days I was I was at a wedding recently and um, I met Philip Hobbs was there and I started went over to him and my wife and I said, like, being with you was the best days of my life. Being champion conditional, riding Ashley Brook. I didn't have a care in the world then. I'm not saying I have a care in the world now, but I have three kids, <laughs> a, a beautiful wife, and um, it's, it, there's more responsibility, but, you know, the, the dim days, there wasn't a care in the world. But you were considered to be quite wild in those days, weren't you? Yeah, it's crazy. Still am now. <laughs> you, you, you always come across as being quite sensible now, relatively speaking, but you were quite wired in, in the early days from what I can remember. Yeah, I suppose I was highly strung. Um, look, uh, I, am, I am who I am a little bit. I, I still get far too excited now and just that kick of a winner, but that's who I am. I absolutely love it, honestly. That, that feeling of winning is incredible. Were you always ambitious as a child? Yeah, I suppose I was. Um, yeah, growing up in Ireland, like was had a great upbringing by my parents, and um, there, was, there was there was a couple of tough times. And I think that gave me a bit of drive, you know. And sort of said to my mum, my mum one day, oh, I'm going to be famous, or I want to be famous, and she laughed. But I just got a bit of drive, and I remember even back then when I was a young kid, I, I wanted to I wanted to be big. You said there were a couple of tough times. Was that during your your childhood, your upbringing? Yeah, it's just 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 to, to like. In Ireland, it was tough at times farming. We had a bit of a dip on the farm, and my dad was, would have needed a bit of help. And it was just, I, I got so much drive from that. And 
yeah, that helped me being as ambitious and probably as crazy as I am. Because you saw them having to really work yeah, for it, really it, strive for it. Exactly. I, I like on the farm one day the, the cows tested positive with uh, TB or whatever it was. I remember mm -hmm. like ten lorries turning up to take him away, and that was horrendous. Like it was just. Now, how oh, old were you then? I was probably eleven. But I could just picture my dad, the image of him, and geez, I just wanted to get my sleeves up and work 24 hours for the rest of my life to help him. When did you know you were good at riding horses? Nick, I still honestly don't think I'm that good at riding horse today, and that's genuine. I, I always fight, find I'm fighting the battle to be the best, to be compete with the best. I, I don't, I've never thought I was that good. I have to work on every single thing I do. But there must have been something in you that thought that being a jockey was a viable career opportunity. Yeah, it's the love of horses. It's the love of animals. Um, it's the kick, you know, the adrenaline kick. When you go out in a race, it's an adrenaline. You're free. You know, the person leads you up and they say best of luck. And for that next five minutes, not a care in the world. You're just out there. And it's crazy stuff. Anything can happen, but I love it. So has anything changed in that regard since the first ride you had to now, or is that feeling exactly the same every time you get let loose on the race course? Yeah, I suppose the, f the feeling of freedom is still there, but now I love the challenge of race riding. I, lo I love the tactics that are involved. Every day I ride, I've, I've got part of Ruby Walsh in my head everywhere I go. I just love the way he operated. I just love the fractions. I'll be counting, and I'm always thinking, and I'm waiting, and just trying to get it right. Love the saying of, you know, I ride to win. I, I don't ride not to lose. And, and I learned that from Ruby. I think he's the best jockey tactically I've ever ridden against. You spent a bit of time with him early on in your career, didn't you, when he was he was riding for Paul Nichols as, as first jockey and you were sort of in that neck yeah. of the woods and riding yeah. a little bit there? Like, I spent time with him. I, I worshipped him and um, I felt he had me in a race one day at Haydock on Imperial Commander when he won on Kairos Star. There was, there was, he was just, he had me that day and he took, I felt like he took my boots off and I thought, that's never going to happen again. And I, and I learned so much from him that day and, you know, great jockeys, is, it's brilliant, you just, you, you never stop learning. I remember Mick Canan towards the end of his career said he was still learning and mm -hmm. I get that, it's just, it's just a brilliant game. But that day, the Betfair Chase you're talking about, Corto Star was in his pomp. He yeah. was invincible, unbeatable. Yeah. The only people who believed that that horse could be beaten were you and Nigel Twiston Davis. And Imperial Commander got within that of him. Yeah. But that wasn't good enough for you, was it? No, fuck that heart has sunk. I remember going by the line, Ruby said, well done. He thought he was nailed and it was a photo finish and mm. something that day like from the sky just stopped me punching the air doing something like ridiculously stupid like I always do. And I was waiting for the photo. I was looking down the number, I was thinking, you know, Happy days, just call it out there, lads. We've won this. And I promise you, they called the number. I looked down, and I was like, for F's sake, you know, Jesus. I was, it was like my stomach dropped, honestly. And the funny thing is, I, I remember I was, I was working the paddock for Channel 4 that day, and they, they flashed up the photograph, and I was convinced that you'd won. Yeah. Convinced you'd yeah. won. Yeah. You know what? You get into a tight finish, head down, bobber, did you win? You normally have an inkling. That day I thought I'd won. There's not many races I've thought I've won and I've lost. That's the race. Well, there was no doubt that he won the Ryanair. There's no doubt that he also won the Cheltenham Gold Cup and he beat Cortostar and Denman in the Gold Cup that was billed as a match-up between those two Galacticos. How much did that mean to you? Ah, yeah, Everton, it was a very special day. I can, remember, I can remember what I had for breakfast that day, honestly. It was just, Everton was smooth. I just had a great feeling about that day. And, um, you know, what a horse. 
on that day at Cheltenham, I don't think I've ever ridden a better horse to put in a better performance. He was just unbelievable and he was such an easy ride. And look at that. <laughs> Silencing those who believed it was a matchup between the two yeah. horses. You were riding for a man at the time, Nigel Twiston Davis. He's a, how can I put it? He bristles, doesn't he? He yeah. bristles when he feels that that he's not being given quite the credit he deserves or his horses aren't being quite given the credit he deserves. Were you and he a good match or not? Oh yeah, they were the best days. The best, the best days, as I, as I said, the best days were when I was in Philip Hobbs, but as I got older, he gave me confidence that you couldn't, um, you couldn't buy. He used to make me feel like I was the best. And, and I, I think he used to make me ride sort of seven or eight pound better than I was probably. It was, it was a good relationship. So why did it come to an end? He had a son who was a, a little bit better than me and, you know, obviously it's worked out well for Sam and Nigel now, best of luck to them, but, um, yeah, luckily for me, Fergal decided to tip on himself. You do seem to have found a way of moving on quite well in your career. When one door closes, you've found a way of opening another one. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Is it, is it down to your innate drive, do you think? Yeah, you 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 got to make it happen a bit, Nick, in racing or in any in any walk of life. You know, I just get up, and sometimes I have to get up earlier. I love getting up, you know, good and early. And yeah, there's always a door to open. That's the thing in life, I think. But you just got to open it sometimes. And um, also, I've been very lucky. Mm. You say you're lucky. Why? Just have been to come across horses like Imperial Commander, English Driver, Q Card. Not every jockey gets that chance. You mentioned Ingalls Dreber. How was it riding for Andrew and Graham Wiley for a, a season or two? Oh, yeah. It was, it was like rocking up at Man City and walking out onto the pitch and just having a look around when you got in them colours. It was very special. And um, they were great days, a lot of pressure. Again, a stage in my career where I needed to deal with pressure and I learned a lot from it. Mm. And he was a tremendous horse. Oh, yeah. He was unbelievable. He was a human. Um, Paisley Park reminds me a little bit of him. Mm -hmm. And like all a brilliant three mile stay in hurlers you know they, they have that way of racing you can't you can't constantly be traveling you have to hit flat spots to get that oxygen in to get home english driver was an unbelievable horse but he wasn't as popular as cue card became and when you got the ride on cue card yes he was a popular horse but he wasn't a a great great horse and your association with him almost turned him into a, a household name and a real favorite and the horse that people wrote books about do you reflect on your association with him Positively now? Uh, I do, I do now. Uh, you know what I got, I'll never forget the getting the call for Q card to the late Bob Bishop who, who believed in me and um, you know there was no pressure, he was, he was going into a Charlie Hall and he, um, he was coming on the back of a quiet season and I remember driving up the motorway, I was thinking of this the other day and I was going up the A1 and Colin Tizard was in the Range Rover and we were passing him out, I had a driver and Colin Tizard looked over and I remember showing him the racing post Q-car was on the front and I started pointing out going like this. As in that day, we were going to win. But that's, that, there, was just, there was just a bit of, I, I felt no pressure. I just thought, you know, what a great time to get off him. But then my life was about to change for the next two years, I think. So you won the Charlie Hall. Yeah. You won the Betfair Chase. Yeah. He won the King George. Yeah. And you were on course for the million pounds. Yeah. And in the Gold Cup, he yeah. took a, a perler when he might well have won Don Cossack's year. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think he would have won. Not might have won. Yeah. That's, you know, it took a lot of get, you know, it, it took me two years to recover from that, if I'm honest. Really? Yeah. Jesus, yeah. 
dark days, but um, I look back on it now, and that's the ups and downs in life, and you know, my amazing family got me through it, yeah. Why do you think it was so hard for you? I mean, jockeys have difficult moments in their career. So many jockeys have fallen in high-profile races when they've been going well down the years. Why, why was it so difficult for you? Look, Nick, when you take responsibility for an action or a manoeuvre in life, you've got to live with it a little bit. Like, I felt like every day for two years, I said to myself, I hate myself. Every day for two years? Yeah. Fuck yeah. But uh, that's deep, you know, and um, here we are now, and it's the past, and I was so lucky to ride a horse like him. Obviously, you're that passionate. Sometimes words will slip out that probably at this stage of the morning, uh, some people will find perhaps a little unpalatable. So apologies for that, but I, I know how intensely you feel about race riding, and it's, that's what I, I love about talking to you, is that you, you feel so passionately and strongly about it, and you can't just park these as isolated incidents. But Nick, you know, the one advice I would give to anyone in life is um, talk about stuff, don't just hide it, you know, because the, the more you let stuff out, the easier it is to deal with. Did you always get so affected by what you believed were were your own errors in in races? Ah, uh, yeah, but I could always handle it because lads in the way room know me. I throw everything. I do effing blind, and but I'm letting it out. I just sometimes I might have led it to a lad that had to suffer for my consequences. I hired on a younger jockey, or you know. But I'm soft deep down. I I care about people and I care about everyone, and I don't want to hurt anyone really. Okay, so was there a moment of redemption in the cue card story? Or not? No. When I go to when I go to Hereford on Tuesday or Wednesday and I ride a bumper horse mm -hmm. and I think, Jesus. You could be that horse that gets me back to that stage, you know? That's the redemption I feel. So a, a few months ago I interviewed the American jockey Mike Smith and his defeat on, on Zenyatta in the Breeders' Cup Classic in 2010 clearly still haunts him. And he said to me, the weird thing is that had it not been for that, I probably wouldn't be riding now because if she'd won, yeah. I'd have retired with her. Yeah. And as it transpired, he's ridden for another 10 years and has won just about every big race and probably another however many hundred million dollars along the way. Uh, does that little moment of failure, does that little smidgen of failure actually spur you on for the next one? Do you think it's actually going to be net beneficial yeah. to your career by the I'd, end of it? I think it's definitely extended my career. Yeah, definitely. I love it, honestly. I love I love my job so much. I love riding horses. And you're right, it's, it's probably made me more driven, more fierce, more determined to just get out there. And I've experienced other sides of life. Nothing scares me anymore. But isn't that in part getting to a certain age and having a wife and three children and so forth as well? Do you think it's not an accident, is it, that that, that has also happened in your life? Yeah, actually, I've, I've, Lindsay's my wife. She's, she, you know, she deals with the ups and downs. She's a nurse. She's an amazing woman. But three lovely kids, as you know yourself, and um, you have three kids. It, so how it, old are they now? Um, one, three, and five. It's all action in our house at the moment. But <laughs> you know, it, br it brings a bit of reality to life. Anyone that has children. But as soon as I walk out that door in the morning, yes. They're my kids, but there's only one thing on my mind, winning. Mm. 
And are you still as brave as you were, do you think? Probably braver. Really? Yeah. Physically braver? Yeah. Because, as I say, when you experience that, them dark days, nothing in life will scare you any more than that. So you, every time you go out there, you feel completely in control? Invincible. And now you've got Fergal O'Brien. Who feels invincible and who I'm really proud of and I see massive, massive stage for him in his career. So just tell me about your relationship. With Fergal? Mm. Yeah, it goes back, obviously, when I, was, when I had the issue with Howard Johnson's, that I was getting the boot, if you like to call it. I, the first person I rang was Fergal O'Brien because I was riding a lot for Nigel at the time when I was available. And I said, look, there's a fair chance I'll be out on the road in the next couple of weeks. Will there be a job there? And he said, look, it, it looks like there might be. Get in touch as soon as you know. And Fergal goes back to the start, really. And then, obviously, when Sam came along and he took over with Nigel Fergal, he, he, he got the, uh, the sort of ambition through, through Chris Coley, who's been a massive supporter, to, to go out on his own. But Fergal's had a bumpy ride and he's, you know, it's been tough. And suddenly this farm in the Cotswold, owned by Rupert Law, came available. And myself, Alan Coley, Sally Randall, Ali Sterling, we, we walked over there with Fergal one morning, he took us in the gate and I looked around and I thought, Jesus, this is some spot. And I, and I honestly believe it could be one of the best, if not the best training establishment in time to come. Why? Just because of the gallops, the, you know, the hill, the, the round gallop, the stables, the feel there at the minute, honestly, you talk about age, you walk in that place, you feel 15. And it, do you think that'll keep you going for the foreseeable? Yeah. I, I, you know, there's good young jockeys there coming through, but Fergal knows and I know he's got to hang on to me for a few years yet. And, and I'm not just going to be one of these jockeys that goes to races, riding the last race and say, that's it, lads, I'm out of here. I'll continue to ride in bumpers. I will ride for as long as I possibly can. So is it the quest to find the next cue card that's spurring you on, or is it the quest to help Fergal O'Brien become champion trainer that's spurring you on? Probably help Fergal O'Brien become champion trainer. Do you think that's realistic? Absolutely. And it's just going to take time, you know, and it's such a good day for Emma Lavelle yesterday. I was so pleased for her and her team. But Fergal is sort of five years behind that at the minute. He's got lots of nice young horses that are going to take time, but he will get to that stage. But what he does do is he trains a lot of winners. He keeps yeah. keeping the, the, the scoreboard ticking yeah, over. Yeah, unbelievable trainer and just, you know, we, me and Alan Colley, we keep a close eye over him a lot of times and you go to a lot of yards and I just feel everything he does at the minute, it's right. I look mm. at things and I think, yeah. He's just brilliant, and his biggest attribute is with people. He can be up there on a Saturday morning and have 60 lads, 60 owners standing on the top of the gallop, and he loves it, and that is going to get him a long way in this game. I mean, you've ridden for Philip Hobbs, you rode for Paul Nichols for, mm. for a little while, I mean, yeah. you've ridden for Nigel Twist and David, some of the great stables in the country. Yeah. So you're in a perfect position to judge the attributes of a, a trainer of horses and a trainer of people. Yeah. Do you believe he's got all those? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's got, you know, I started with Paul Nichols. Before, before I was in the yard when Cato Starr turned up and I was probably one of the first people to muck him out and I remember them days in Paul Nichols and I watched him come through Fergal O'Brien's on par with that Is he? Just, you know, you need that look to get the Cato Starr or that owner to spend that money but he ticks all the boxes for me You can get me back in five years time and say you were right Do you wish you'd hung around at Paul Nichols a bit longer? Look, the, the opportunities had, had arisen I got the, the, the vacancy came at Philip Hobbs's and he made me champion conditional and I'll never, mm. you know, you can't regret that. They were, as I say, go, I went from Paul Nichols's to Philip Hobbs's and, nah, they were great days.
Uh, Philip Hobbs, is, he seems a very even-tempered guy. Probably suited you perfectly at the time. Yeah, the best. And I was so pleased to have, he had three or four winners at Cheltenham a couple of weeks ago and I said to Richard Johnson walking down the show, I, I was genuinely so pleased for him because there's no side to Philip Hobbs. Like, he is the best and he's a great person and I, I, I couldn't wish him anything but happiness and luck because he deserves it. And do you feel a happy man when you walk into the weighing room now? Do you feel less... Jeez, I'd say when I walk into that weighing room, there's jockeys there and say, oh, no, he's here. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel happier getting on a horse. I feel happier. I just feel like I can compete with the best. But do you not think people now just look at you as a lovable eccentric rather than a complete lunatic? Uh, yeah, there's people that know me know the story. They, they know the real Paddy and them. Um, it's much, yeah. I, I just think the judgment of a lunatic sometimes can get in my way of my career and think, <laughs> well, we could let Paddy ride that horse, but he's too mad. If I want people to think we let Paddy ride that horse because maybe he's good. But does anyone think you're mad anymore? Uh, Aren't you just part of the furniture? My wife. <laughs> Aren't you just kind of part of the game now? Right? Yeah. You're sort of venerable. Probably am. Probably am. Safe bet. Maybe. Ish. 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 Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel, Dubai.